Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. for worshiping with us today. If you're here or if you're online, um, I hope you've already been blessed um, by today. We're going to continue this conversation because um, I think the promise that Jesus made, what he did for us, sometimes we can kind of overlook. And so we're going to pause today and just think about that. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving too, by the way. Uh, my family sure did. We enjoyed that uh, time. I uh, have shared this with some of you before and those of you that know me personally, you, you know this about me, that I am not uh, just distracted easily, but I'm actually also a very forgetful uh, person. Not in the sense that I don't necessarily remember things. Uh, my recall is good if it's suggested, but I just, I have a tendency to lose my stuff a lot. Okay, so I, I just lose my keys all the time. I said in the last uh, service, I do that every week, but Linda pointed out, no, it's every day. Uh, Linda's on staff here with us, and, and she is right. It is a daily occurrence in my life, and, and I knew that it was becoming a problem. Um, a, well, you know, as in middle school, actually, I would lose stuff all the time. I'd get distracted and be forgetful. I had a middle school teacher who said, you know what? I think that's a sign of genius, and I don't know if that's true or not, but I really liked that idea. And so I've been saying that ever since. Well, you know, it's because I'm a genius. That's why I'm so distracted and absent-minded and, and things like that. So um, when Whitney and I got married, I tried to tell her, I said, look, I want, you to, I want you to know everything that you are marrying into. I want you to understand how crazy my brain is. She says, I know, it's good. Right after we got married, I was working at a church in Raleigh as the children's pastor. I would go and I would place things um, around the building as I would get there in the morning. You understand that, that when you show up here to this building, there are people that are here for hours and hours before you show up that kind of make everything work together and happen. Like there's, there's people here at like 6.30, 7 a.m. They're cleaning. They're doing tech checks. They're doing like making sure the bathrooms are good. They're making sure the parking lot is set up. There's an amazing team of people that get here early in the morning to, to kind of put all this together. So if you're on those teams, thank you so much. We, we appreciate what you do. It's a huge blessing uh, to have that and those people in our life. But I would get there super early in the morning. And what would happen was I would have my keys, my phone, my wallet, sunglass, whatever. I just get to work as soon as I got there first thing in the morning, turning on lights, making sure the rooms are clean, making sure that nothing disappeared in the setup over the week, making sure that all the tech is on. I would just go in. And as I would do this, I would walk into a room, set something down, and then I would leave the room. And then I would go into another room. I'd set something down. I would leave that room. And my stuff over the course of an hour would just be scattered all over the building. So that by the time Whitney arrived, um, she would show up and she'd say, hey, good morning. You know, she's all bubbly and caffeinated. And she'd be like, hey, look, I'm, I'm, how are you? How's it going? And I'd be like, in a panic, I'd be like, I don't know where my keys are. She'd be like, what? I said, I don't know where my keys are. I don't know where my phone is. I don't know where anything is. I had it all this morning and now it's all gone. I have no idea where anything is. And I would start like panicking because I needed my keys. I need my phone because volunteers would text me in the morning. Or what if there's an emergency? Or what if there's a closet that's locked and I have to get into it? Or what if I just need to buy something? Or what if my sunglasses are gone forever? I don't care about those as much. But I would just lose my stuff all the time. And so what she would do out of the graciousness and kindness of the selflessness that she is, she would go behind me and go to every room that she thought maybe I would have gone into. She would collect my wallet from one room, 
my keys from another. You guys think I'm a baby, but it's true. This, this is what she would do. She would get all of my belongings and then she would bring them together and she would put them in one spot and she would say, look, all of your stuff is in one spot. You need to calm down. You're good. Just go about your day. Everything's fine. And that would be such a relief to me because then I wouldn't have to think about that anymore. I could go on about my day. I would love to tell you that that was just a one-time thing. But this would literally happen every single week. Every single week, I would lose stuff. I would panic. She would see me, and I would say, I'm panicking. She'd be like, it's fine. I'm going to find it. And she, it got to the point where she, would, she wouldn't even come see me first. Like, she would just go to all of the places in the building, collect all the stuff, and then she would put it in one spot. So by the time she saw me, and I'm in a panic, she's like, I've already got it calm down. Like, okay. And I knew it was bad then when like some of our friends would actually like see my stuff laying around and they would give it to Whitney because they knew that she'd be coming by to get it. They wouldn't give it to me. They knew better than to do that. They give it to her and then she would collect. I knew we were getting into a bad spot then. I would love to say that this died down over time, but it, it has not at all. It still happens to this day. It happened this weekend. I lost the car keys, uh, Overthink. We were in Raleigh and I, and I misplaced them. Uh, we found them, but I lost them. But it still happens. <clears throat> so last year, it kind of came to a head though. Uh, we have three kids. And on a Monday morning, I came in and I had no idea where my wallet was. I had no concept of where it could be at all. I had it on Sunday. I did not have it on Monday. So I come to this building, which is a very big building, and I had no idea where it was. And I had literally been everywhere in this building on Sunday. And I was supposed to fly out on a plane just a few days later. So we're talking my bank card, credit card, my ID, everything, right? And I need all of that to go on this plane trip. And so I look for an hour. I look for two hours and I'm starting to panic like in a big way. Like I've been everywhere, every shelf, every drawer, every surface. I can imagine I have checked. By hour three, I call Whitney and say, I'm ready to cancel bank cards. I'm ready to cancel credit cards. I got to go to the DMV. I need to do all of this stuff. And she's like, look, 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 just calm down. Stop panicking. I said, no, no, no. I am, you don't understand. I'm leaving in a couple days. She's like, I know. And I am supposed to have all of this stuff. I need to find all of this. She's like, before you start canceling everything, I'm going to come to the building and I will find it. I said, no, no, no. That'll take too much time out of your day. You don't need to do this. I said, no, no, no. I'm going to do it. So I'm like, fine, you can try. It's not going to be worth anything. That's a futile attempt. It's gone forever. You will never find it in this building. I have looked everywhere. I had other people on staff looking. No one could find it. It was this huge thing for three hours of my life that day. She shows up. She walks in the door. We exchange pleasantries. I basically look at her and say, you're not going to find it. And she's like, calm down. I said, okay. She's here for two minutes, you guys, two minutes. In two minutes, she found it in a spot that I had already looked four times, okay? She hands it to me. She's gracious. She hands it to me. She rolls her eyes and smiles and leaves. And that's all that needs to be said. But I get a text a few minutes later. And in the text message, she says, listen, I have um, three other kids now. So I need you to keep up with your stuff. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to buy a tile. You know what a tile is? It's a tracker for your keys and your wallet and all of that. You're going to buy a tile and you are going to screenshot the receipt and you're going to text me a picture of the receipt and then you can come home. And I said, yes, ma'am. That's exactly what I'm going to do. And I did right there on the spot. And here's the thing. Let me just be honest with you. I still lose my stuff all the time. I lose it all the time. But now it's very simple. Now all I have to do is open my phone if I have it which the watch helps me find that. Okay, so we're covered. 
I open my phone and I just hit the button and then my keys will start ringing or my uh, wallet will start ringing. It will tell me where I left it. Like it's the best thing. It doesn't change the nature of the fact that I'm still going to lose my stuff, but it takes the cycle of panic out of the equation. You understand? I'm no longer, I'm no longer bound to that. I am free from that cycle of panicking and trying to worry and anxiety and all of that. Now I know if I misplaced it, all I have to do is like, eh, it's around somewhere. It's in the building somewhere. Ping it. There it is. It's fine. And that has freed me from so much. Now, I know that's a silly illustration, but I think sometimes in our following Jesus, what we do sometimes is we take the simplicity out of it. It really is as simple as Jesus said it was. It really is as simple as just trusting him. It really is as simple as just believing him at his word, that when he says that one sacrifice paid the way for everything, that we just believe that. And sometimes we allow other things to kind of creep into that. Sometimes we, we, we allow our comparison. Sometimes we think it has to be more than that as we're following Jesus. And this is not a new problem. In fact, Paul, a follower of Jesus, very early on recognized this as an issue. And he wrote a letter. Uh, it's called Galatians. You can find it in the Bible or in the app today. And I would just encourage you, by the way, to read the entire letter from front to back because you're going to get all of Paul's humility and sarcasm and love for people in, in that we're just going to look at a piece of it today and we're going to lose some of that humility and that humbleness and that love that he has. So just understand it's, it's part of a bigger context, but he's writing to two different groups of people. He's writing to a group of people who were God's chosen people, Jewish people who had grown up under Jewish faith and law, and they were kind of wrestling with that idea of, wait, what about all of these traditions? What about all of these lists of do's and don'ts? What about all of this? And he's also writing in the same church to um, these other people, Gentiles, who did not grow up with that. They grew up worshiping idols, or they were pagan people, or maybe they had no religious background whatsoever, and they were just following cultural traditions of the day. He's writing to these two groups of people and he's saying, listen, you're going to want some of these cultural ideas to creep in and you're going to want some of your old tradition, religious habits to kind of creep in. And let me just remind you, you're free from all of that. This is what he says. If you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. What he's saying is if you think that it is Jesus Christ's sacrifice and something else, then you've just negated Jesus Christ's sacrifice. You have fallen away from God's grace, in fact. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness that God has promised to us. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. And he makes a warning here, by the way. Now, this is called fire insurance. When I was growing up, it was kind of like people who'd be like, oh yeah, I accepted Jesus. And then they do whatever they want to. He's saying, no, no, that's not what this is. It's not just a free license to do whatever you want. But, but don't use your freedom, the freedom that Christ has given us to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the thing. Sometimes we remember that Jesus has freed us from something. He has freed us from our sinful nature. Though it still exists, we, those desires are lessened. He has freed us from a list of rules and regulations of do's and don'ts of over 600 laws given to God's people under the old covenant. He has freed us from that, but you understand that he has freed us 
to something as well. Jesus' sacrifice didn't just free us from, he also freed us to, to do something that the law could never do, to allow us to serve and love one another in the spirit, something that those who had come before had never been able to do. See, we have two natures at war within us. If you're a follower of Jesus, you understand there are two natures in you. There is a sinful nature that is in you, and there's also this desire and this nature, this new creation to follow God's spirit. These are at war with one another. Paul said it this way. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be what your sinful nature craves. You won't be doing those kinds of things. The sinful nature, take note, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. The spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. They are completely in opposing uh, paradigms. You understand? These two forces are constantly fighting each other, pulling against each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. The freedom that Christ has called us to live out can, can be um, hindered by this desire at our sinful nature pulls. When you are directed by the spirit, when you live in the way that Christ has called us to live under this new promise, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. You are not under this expectation. You're not under this, you have to live up to a certain standard to be holy. You're not under that anymore. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Let's pause and, he, and Paul's saying, let's think about this for a second. Let's talk about the results of following these two different natures. When you when you pursue the sinful nature, you know the result. It's very clear. You see it all around us sometimes. We, we understand what Jesus has rescued us from. We, we take note of that. Those who pursue the sinful nature, the results are clear. It's sexual immorality. It's impurity. It's lustful pleasures. It's idolatry, idolatry, sorcery, hostility. Some of us don't have idolatry, we would say, or sorcery problems. But what about these? Quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. They're just obvious. He doesn't even have to list them all because you understand what that is. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. When you can constantly are pursuing that, it basically shows that the spirit of God may not be in you. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. So let's talk about what following the spirit does. Living in the spirit day by day, what does that produce in our lives? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against those things. The old law of Moses, there's no law against that. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of that sinful nature, that old self that's gone, his cross, and it's crucified them there. Since we are living by the spirit... Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That is critical. Now, here's the thing. I have read this many times growing up. I grew up in church. I know that everybody has, but I would read that all the time growing up in church. And I would just kind of glaze over that, this idea that, that the Spirit of God is producing fruit in our lives. But then I had a mentor in my life who brought some new perspective to it. Because here's what happens. The older that we get, um, the longer, rather, that we are following Jesus over time, we kind of have more history in following Jesus, right? And sometimes we start to think 
that the way things used to be or what used to be in our lives, we find ourselves looking back, whether it's as a church or whether it's as individuals, was better than what we have right now. That happens. Maybe you know people like this. Maybe you are someone like this. Maybe, maybe you feel that in other churches as well. And we start thinking about the, the good old days and we start thinking about this was what it used to be. The question was posed to me like, has there ever been a time in your life where you were uh, closer to Jesus than you are right now? That's a great question to ask ourselves because if the answer is yes, then basically what we're saying is, well, how do I get back to, how do I find that again? When we think about this idea of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When we think of this as fruit, you understand there are different types of, or I should say types of fruit, but forms that fruit can take. When you go to the grocery store, you understand that there's more fruit than just what's in the, in the fruit section, right? You understand that fruit can be frozen, you understand that sometimes people will, will put it in their freezer, they'll save it for years and years and years. Have you ever thawed frozen fruit? It's disgusting. It's like goopy and it's all mushy and it's gross. It gets frozen sometimes. And sometimes in our walk with Jesus, maybe we have frozen fruit. We're looking back to the good old days. We're thinking of what Jesus used to do in our lives or how maybe the person that we prayed for that one time, that one person we invited a long time ago, maybe that one person we may have shared Jesus with 10 years ago, but we haven't done it at all this year, let alone this week. It's frozen. Anytime someone asks us how our walk with Jesus is, we like to pull it out of the back of the freezer. We set it on the counter and we let it thaw. It's mushy. You understand that fruit can sometimes also be canned or preserved, right? And we just shove it in. It was fresh at one point, and then we shove it in. We set it on the shelf, and it's nice to look at, and maybe it's good to slop around, but it's very different uh, than just fresh fruit. You understand that to preserve it, we have to add different things to it. We have to change it a little bit from what it was intended to be in order for it to preserve in this different manner. And we say, oh, that's better than that. And maybe we do that in our walk with Jesus too. We say, yeah, you know, I'm going to add a little bit of maybe what Jesus uh, freed me from. I'm going to add a little bit of that to my fruit and just shove it on the counter or on the shelf. Sometimes it can be dried and it just turn into like crispy things. You're eating dried fruit. It's very difficult. <coughs> Crack your teeth on it. Some of our fruit might be dried. It's just stale. It's just, it's just gone bad. It could be rotten too, but that's not fresh See, our culture, we have a different idea. You don't go to a fruit stand on the side of the road and expect to see frozen fruit, do you? If that's all they had, you'd be like, wait, no, where's the fresh fruit? You don't go there expecting to find like just canned fruit. And you don't go there expecting to find dried fruit. You want something fresh. The fruit of God in our lives, of the spirit, needs to be fresh fruit in our lives. We can't keep going back to old things of the past. Look, Jesus is doing a work in us and through us right now, through our church, through you individually. He is rescuing people. He is calling people back to himself. Our fruit needs to be fresh in our lives. And yet, for some of us, we've been following Jesus for a while and we kind of look back, oh, I did that already. And we start offering up our excuses. I've heard all of these before. Maybe you have, I don't have time. You might've used that one. I can't, I won't. Well, that's not for me. That's someone else's job. I don't know enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not able to. Well, I'm not, my life isn't as bad as I'm good. I don't need to do it. I did my time. I'm tired. I have enough other things to worry about. 
and we kind of negate what Jesus did for us. And we're putting our fruit in the back of the cupboard or shoving it in the freezer and saying, that's good enough. But Jesus wants to do something in us and for us. And to all of these excuses, do you know what Paul said? I don't have to say it. He said it for me, which is great. If you think you are too important to help someone, if you think you're too busy to love somebody else, if you think you've already done your time and you've served in the past, if you think that you don't, you're too important is basically what he's saying. If you have any excuse to not love, to not serve one another, basically what he's saying is you think you're too important and you're only fooling yourself. Guess what? You aren't that important. You're not that important. Jesus has called you to something more. Don't think of yourself. Remember, Jesus humbled himself completely to live out the spirit, and he is calling us to do the same. So pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. You understand that's the old covenant. You understand comparing yourself to other people is what used to be. That's what Pharisees did. That's what God's people had to do for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. Under the law, they had to compare themselves and say, I'm not as bad as or I'm better than. And he's saying, no, when you pursue what God has called you to do, when you walk in the spirit, you don't need to compare yourself to anyone else anymore. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Get this, you will always harvest what you plant. So those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. That is the end result. But when you walk in the spirit, when you live to please the spirit, you will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't get tired in doing that. Don't get tired of planting that every single day. What we plant today turns into fruit later. So it has to be fresh and it has to be daily. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Whenever we have the opportunity, that's every single day we have the opportunity. Every single day we interact with one another as a body of believers. Every day we interact with people who don't know Jesus yet. And listen, I love that we memorize scripture. I love that we worship together. And I love that maybe you know some really fun Bible trivia facts. And that's all good. But who is following Jesus because you said yes? Who, is, who now knows Jesus because you poured into their life? How, how are you showing that love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness? How are you putting that fruit into this world? How are you planting that? How do we harvest that? Don't rely on things that used to be. Don't say, oh, I did that already. Jesus has something he wants to do in your life now. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. Have you undergone a species change? Are you a new creation? May God's peace and mercy, listen, I love this. Again, I told you, you miss out a little bit on Paul's humility and with me just breaking this out. He, he wasn't writing to convict. He wasn't trying to put guilt on anybody. That was the old system. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. The new principle is to walk in the spirit, to be, have fresh fruit in your life, to constantly be putting new things 
and responding to what Jesus has for you, responding to his spirit, the spirit that confirmed Jesus' sacrifice in you. So are we gonna live that out? How do we do that? Let's pour that into the world. Let's pour that into one another, to love one another in that way. That's what counts. And I don't know what that next step is for you. I don't. Maybe you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and and maybe today you understand a little bit more and you wanna have that conversation. We would love to talk with you about that. In the app, you can hit connect. We we can do it there. You can meet me or one of our team at the desk or across the hall in the commons in just a bit. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a while, but you've been living under that old system. You've been kind of putting other things in it. You've been putting it on the shelf and maybe it's time to have some fresh fruit in your life. And maybe it's time to lock arms with what God is doing here. You understand that people are coming to know Jesus and getting baptized in our church. It's a huge thing. We're reaching out into this community. Maybe it's time that you join in and let's put some fresh fruit in the ground that we can harvest together. If you feel that right now, if you're feeling like the Spirit of God tell you something to do that, just respond to it. Just just obey that. I promise. It's not like indigestion from your Thanksgiving dinner. It's not. Like it could be the Spirit of God. And when we as a church respond to that, as followers respond to that, and we just say, yes, Jesus does amazing things through us. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you. God, thank you for the opportunity that we had to just come together and to remember your sacrifice, not just what it called us from, but what it is propelling us towards, to a life that is full of adventure, that is full of of fruit, that is full of love and joy. God, forgive us when we try to mix in old things, when we try to bring in old stuff, when when we're not putting fresh fruit in the ground. God, would you help us to harvest what your spirit has called us to do? Would you help us to deny the sinful nature and to pursue your spirit, to just listen. God, if there's anyone in this room who is, you are prompting right now in their heart to take a step, whether it's to be saved, God, whether it's to be baptized, whether it is to start serving you and and loving others and finding their, their place in your body, God, I ask that you would give them the courage to just say yes. Don't let them ignore your spirit. Help them to fulfill what you've called them to do. Help us to be light in this world so that we can reap something great together that you have planted, God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what you've given us. Help us to be light. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.